Thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message from our lead pastor, John Chesty. Good morning, Victory Church family. How are we doing today? Make some noise for Jesus. Hey, Edmond Campus, so awesome to be joining you at the Edmond Campus. Love what's happening there. I love your pastor, love your staff, and what God is doing at the Edmond Campus is, is amazing. Uh, pastor Wade was sending me pictures of the 9 o'clock, and it's packed, and, and I'm sure the 11 o'clock is very similar. We're so excited for what God's doing there. Those of you watching online, we're, we're honored that you are joining us. Um, maybe some of our DFW campus is joining uh, is camp, is, is uh, joining us. If you weren't able to come to the campus last night at Grapevine, uh, we're so excited that you're joining us uh, today. By the way, uh, Grapevine campus is doing incredibly well. Last night we had amazing uh, gathering and had uh, between 100, 150, 170 people there or so, and that, that room's getting full. And so we're about to go from that room to the next big room. Uh, so really, Easter is kind of our big launch in Grapevine. Uh, we'll launch really big in Easter in a 600-seat auditorium. Right now, we've been meeting in about a 200-seat auditorium, and it's, it's quickly filling up, and we're going to have to get out of there soon. So continue to pray. God's doing amazing things, and we're excited about giving birth to this campus, and you guys are a vital part of that. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Kings chapter 3, 2 Kings chapter 3. Okay, we're going to dive into this word. This word that I'm going to bring you, it's pretty cool. Um, God kind of gave me this word almost a year ago. And if you know, you don't know, but I'll tell you, my weird way of writing sermons is I have lots of folders in my phone that kind of start as a nucleus, a nucleus, so to speak, and then they just kind of grow. It can start with a verse or a phrase or a thought. And almost a year ago, I, I kind of wrote this theme or this idea uh, in my notes and then we have seasons here at the church. We preach seasons, not series. And so every time I would get to the end of that season, that sermon was still sitting in the folder. And I was like, well, I'll just copy and paste it into the next season. And then I'll get to the end of that season. Like, that sermon's still there. God, what do you want me to do with this thing? And I've copied and pasted this thing like three times. And I didn't know when the Lord wanted me to bring it. And a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Abdiel uh, was doing a, a volunteer gathering. And he brought this word or this scripture and used it in a, in a devotional. And the Lord just began to impress in me something. And I was like, okay, it's time. And so I'm just letting you know the word you're about to receive today has been in the crock pot for a while. All right. So this thing's been, been slow on slow simmer for quite some time. And I'm excited to bring it to you. Um, there's this kind of conversation and theology of this, this idea of grace versus works and you know, Paul many times talks about that it is by grace through faith, not by works, so that no man can boast, which we agree with, we believe in, that our salvation is nothing we do, nothing we accomplish. But then there's a piece of our faith that James talks about in James chapter 2 where he says, yeah, but faith without works is dead. 
So it's like this, this conversation that's happening and this, 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 yes, we are saved by grace. We cannot do anything to, to earn salvation. But once we're saved, God gives us good works to do. Amen? And so one of my, one of my core values, we all have core values. You may not know you have core values, but you have a set of values that you live by. Uh, maybe your value is you believe in being on time. I'm on time for everything. And so when, when somebody in your world is not on time, it makes you mad, right? Maybe, you're, maybe your value is that you're neat and tidy. All my neat and tidy people, raise your hand. Like, is it bothering you that my cords are not even? Hold on, let me fix all my neat and tidy people. I don't want to be a distraction. How's that? Even? Okay. All right. And so, when, sorry, stop looking at them, okay? So, so when somebody is not neat and tidy, it bothers you. Why? Because that's a value. You have a value there. One of my values, one of my deep core values is hard work. I just value hard work. It's something that has been ingrained in me by my parents. I got to see my grandfather run a 500-acre farm up into his late 70s, and he just, just hard work. Uh, a lot of that started even back uh, in sports. If many of you played sports, you learned the value of hard work. Like, people work hard. LeBron James did not get all that by talent. He's hard work. He didn't get to be the second best basketball player of all time behind Michael Jordan. By accident. It's hard work, right? A lot of mine started, I had this high school basketball coach. His name was Coach Melton. And I remember he used to say these two letters, these two words to us all the time. And it really showed me that there's another layer to me if I look for it. We used to, he used to scream this at the top of his lungs. I can hear his voice screaming this to me right now. We would start every single basketball game and every time out when we all put our hands in the middle and we say something, we would say the same thing every time. Dig deep. Dig deep. And I can, I can hear him screaming at me running down the court. Dig deep. Dig deep, and he began to show me and me realize is that there was something in me that I didn't know was in me if I'm willing to dig deep. That there's another level to my intensity. There's another level to my mental. There's another level to, to what I can give forth on the basketball court if I'm willing to dig deep. And I want to I talk about this, and the, the scripture that we're going to use is a, is a familiar one. It's, a, it's one of the many stories of Elisha. And when I get to kind of the core of this, you'll be like, oh, I remember this story. But at first, it may not ring a bell, but it's in 2 Kings chapter 3. And in this story, King Ahab, who's the eighth king of Israel, he is dead. And he is, he, now his son has taken over the kingdom. He'll become the ninth king of Israel. His name is Jehoram. The Moabites were paying tribute to his father, Ahab. They were paying tribute to his father with 100 sheep and 100,000 sheep and 100,000 ram every single year. They, they were giving this guy 100,000 sheep and 100,000 rams. I'm going to set up the story for you. And then when Ahab died, the king of Moab was like, mm -mm, we ain't doing that no more. We're done with that. Jehoram gets mad. Why? Because he had a false expectation. Remember that? So he had this expectation that it was just going to continue. He stops, and so Jehoram goes to the king of Judah and the king of, the, of, of Edom, their, 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 their allies, and he says, hey, can you believe what the Moabites did to me? Will you join with me? Can we join our three armies together, and let's go attack the Moabites? Are you with me? He said, yes, 
All right? So this is the context of the story, and I want to set this up for you so we can get into it. So 2 Kings chapter 3, I want to introduce this to you, and let's get into the word of it. So, so verse 8 says this. It says, then he said, which way shall we go up? So it's like, we're going to go attack the Moabites. Which way should we go? He says, by way of the wilderness of Edom. Okay, that's important. We'll come back to that. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, and they marched on that roundabout route. Come back to that too. Seven days. And there was no water for the army, nor for the animals that followed them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of, of, of Moab. I want to pause here for a quick second, and then we'll keep in the story. This isn't one of the points. This isn't a point in my sermon, but this is a, a good point, even though it's not a point. All right, I have a point. Trust me. They're on this journey, these three armies, these three kings, and they, they get thirsty. And what I want to tell you this morning and tell you about yourself and tell you about everybody around you is, is that even kings get thirsty. Okay? I don't care how rich you are. I don't care how cool you think you are. Uh, I don't care how... how how old you are, how young you are, it doesn't matter. We all get thirsty. And you will reach a point in your life where something is missing. And you long for something to quench your thirst. And it's amazing to me how God can checkmate anybody anytime he wants. Oh, you think you're cool. Checkmate, you're thirsty now. So even these mighty kings, these are kings, y'all. These guys speak and anything they say comes to pass. They have armies behind them, but even kings get thirsty. All right, let's keep going in this story. Verse 15, so, so what happens? Let me set it up again. So they're, they're like, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? We're thirsty. Uh, and one of the kings is like, I've heard about this guy. His name's Elisha. And I've heard he's even poured the water for Elijah. Oh my gosh, he's, he's, he's a descendant of He's, a, he's the successor of Elijah. We got to get this guy in here. So Elisha comes and has some conversations and yada, yada. You can read about it tonight. And then it says, this is kind of funny to me. It says, Elisha says, bring me a musician, which is the same as when a pastor says, could I get the keys to play behind me? <laughs> some anointing starts happening when they tickle the keys. And so Elisha says, bring me a musician. And this is where I want to pick up in verse 15, verse 15. It says, then it happened when the musician played that the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, now this is where the story will become familiar to many of you. Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. But he's saying this, but if you'll dig deep, here's what you can expect. That valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. And he will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Today I want to talk to you on the subject of dig a ditch. Dig a ditch. We're going to lean into this and see what the Lord is saying in this concept. I love, football. I love watching football. Um, football is one of my favorites. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm more fascinated by the quarterback um, 
if you've ever played football or ever understand football, the amount of information that these quarterbacks have to, have, to, have to absorb and how to read the defense and how to, how to know every single play in the offense and every single audible and to come up to the line and in a split second read the defense and call an audible and then say hike and in a split second look at about five options and know that people are coming to kill them at the same time. And all the things they have to be worrying about, linebackers and all these, all these things, the receivers, they, they have a lot of stuff going on. But I've always been baffled by the kicker. Because the kicker has got one job. And let me tell you a little story about the Cowboys, okay? <laughs> On January the 16th, 2023, this kicker, uh, he who shall not be named, <laughs> Matt, <coughs> this dude missed four field goals. And I'm not talking about like 40, 50 yarders, 60 yarders, okay, whatever. He missed four extra points in one game. And I am in my, in my house screaming at the TV, you got one job. One job. And, and it kind of reminds me of, of this story because in the story, God comes down through the, the prophet Elisha and through Elisha's mouth, he declares, you got one job. You're thirsty. Your whole army's thirsty. Because they had to been, any leader wants to try to find resolve. Any leader wants to try to find solutions. So they, the leaders had to been saying, you know what we should do? We should send a team back home, get some water. I know where a well is. They could bring some water back. There may have been a group saying, you know what? Let's dig a well. Let's just, we've got to be water down here somewhere. Let's just start digging and eventually we'll hit something. They had to be saying, let's send out scouts to just look for rivers, look for water, look for something. And God's like, nope, you got one job. Get a shovel. Dig a ditch. And that had to have made no sense. And let me just tell you, sometimes we come to seasons of our life where whether it's our marriage, whether it's our finances, whether it's our career, our temptation is to try to figure out what it is. And I just want to remind us all that, that you got one job. You got one job. You may be like, well, what is that job, John? Because I want to know what it is. We have to understand every season of our life, and every season is a little bit different. We ask the question to the Holy Spirit, Lord, what is my assignment? What's my assignment? Right now in this season, what is my assignment? And God will give us assignments in the moment that he's saying, I, I don't want you to worry about what your kids are going to grow up to do right now. I want you to change their diaper. I don't want you to worry about what you're going to be five years from now. I want you to serve that boss that you would rather do something else to him. Whatever it is, it's, it's a moment, it's a time where we have an assignment that the Lord's asking us to lean in. And, and for some, some, some seasons, it may be to give. Some seasons, it may be to save, to be a better steward. Some seasons, it may be to go. It may be to stay. It may be to speak up and it may be to shut up. Can I get an amen right there? Okay. So, so whatever the season is, there's a season that God is giving me an assignment during that time. And I can promise you that's not what those kings wanted to hear. When the prophet Elisha stood up and said, make this valley full of ditches, the kings would have been like, mm -mm, I'm looking for some sort of a hat trick here. I, we need water to spring up from somewhere. They didn't know that there was going to be work involved. In every season of our life, there's going to be something that God is asking us to do to, to dig a ditch. So I want to read this story and kind of, kind of comb through it in the time I have left. 
and show you just a couple of things that stuck out to me that the Lord ministered to me in from this story and pray that it'll minister to you too. The first one I want to share with you is kind of two things in one point, all right? So, so write this down if you're taking notes. Point number two, dry lips and blistered hands. This part of the story is really what the Holy Spirit spotlighted and highlighted to me because the first part of this is, is the dry lips. And it really struck me, the Holy Spirit really struck me with this thought is that they dug these ditches with dry mouths. It wasn't this, hey, you're going to be thirsty in a couple days, so dig a ditch now. It was like they were beyond the point. Let me, let me show it to you in the story. Let's, let's, let's review it again. In verse 9 it says, so the king of Israel went to the king of Judah and the king of Edom and this is important, and they marched on that roundabout route. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Roundabout from the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and it says that God took them on a roundabout way. We'll come back to that. It says, and there was no water for the army nor for the animals that followed them. The verse right before that, verse 8, the king says to the other king, which way shall we go up? And he says, we shall go the way of the wilderness of Edom. Now, ge geography matters in the Bible, okay? So let me just kind of talk geography for just a quick second, and then I'll come back to the story, but I need to point something out to you. So let me show you a map, okay? Many of you were here several years ago. We did a series called My Way or the Highway, and we, we looked at the journey of the Israelites out of Egypt. This map will show us, and we reviewed this a couple years ago, but I want to show you just a couple quick things. I'm going to go back into the dark dungeon here, okay? So out of the lights. So right here is Kadesh Barnea. This is where the spies went up. Into, into, the, into Israel, this is the Dead Sea right here. Okay, so right here is a place called Punan. Everybody say that with me, say Punan. Punan is the place where Moses lifted up the bronze serpent. Remember this part of the story? The Israelites were trying to get over here to come up and they tried to pass through right here. This is a massive mountain range that comes all the way down. They tried to pass, I'm going somewhere. They tried to pass right here through this, through this pass, and the Edomites at that time said, you shall not pass. You're not coming this way. So they left, and they went all the way down around the way of the Reed Sea, all the way around, and they came to this junction right here. To the left is the King's Highway that goes all the way up, which was a major trade route back then. If you were going to go any direction, you would want to go that way. That's where everybody else was. The Bible instructs them and shows us that they did not take the king's highway. They took what was called, and bring this forward to our current story, they took the way of the wilderness, the desert highway, the worst way, the driest way, the most dangerous way, okay? Now, let me give you context for the story. This is Moab right here. These are the Moabites. These are the Edomites. This would have been Judah, and up here off the map would have been the king, would have been, would have been Israel. At that time, Israel was split into two kingdoms, okay? So Israel, Judah, and the Edomites were going around this way to attack Moab. Why is this important? I believe they would have passed right through this valley because the Edomites were on their side. And he said, which way shall we go? We shall go the wilderness of Edom. Why is that, why is that important? It's important because it tells me that they had dry mouths when they dug those two ditches. They were going through the valley of the shadow of death. And some of you and some of us may be in a season where you're like, man, John, I don't, I don't know that I have the strength to work on my marriage. Uh, I don't know that I can work another hour to pay off this debt and these, these financial woes that we're in. 
And God, I, I, John, I feel really far removed from God. So the thought of opening my Bible, and the thought of coming to church, and some of us couldn't even get out of bed to come to church, we're watching online. I want to encourage you or challenge you to say, it's okay to dig a ditch with a dry mouth. In fact, sometimes, sometimes thirst is a great motivator. <laughs> the reason they were willing to dig a ditch is because they'd gotten pretty desperate. And so they dug not only with dry mouths, but I want to tell you the second point of this that really struck me is that their blisters proved their belief. I don't know if you've ever dug a ditch, but I promise you if you've dug a ditch, you've got a sore back and blistered hands. And I'll, I'll, every man, let me say it this way, you can tell a lot by a man by the calluses on his hands. Okay, now if you don't have calluses on your hands, it's okay. Just kind of tuck your hands and just look at the screen straight ahead. You're good. You're like, I've never held a chainsaw in my life, but I'm going to look at this screen. I've never done a pull-up, whatever it takes to get calluses. But I want to tell you, the reason I know that they believed what God said was true is because they were willing to dig a ditch. Because this was the word that came forth. Elisha stood up and said, make this valley full of ditches. And if you do it, you won't see it coming, you won't hear it coming, but water's coming. And, and something in them were like, you know what, we're, we're, we just happen to be thirsty enough. And we just happen to be desperate enough. And the calluses that formed on their hands was proof that they believed that God would do it. You can tell a lot from a man by the blisters on his hands, and you can tell a lot from a Christian by the blisters. People that are willing to keep going, keep working, keep, keep plowing the field, keep digging even on hard ground, even on hard days when you want to strangle your kids. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to love my kids. I'm going to serve my kids. I'm going to serve my spouse even when I want to strangle my spouse. Whatever it is, it's the ability to keep digging deep, to keep digging the trench and believing that God's going to do something miraculous through it. I love this quote Charles Spurgeon said in a famous sermon he preached in 1867 on this very scripture, this very passage. He said, these ditches were to be dug, not because the water might come, but because they were sure that it would come. So we must work for Christ, not because we may win souls, but because we must. There is something that God wants for you. There is something that God wants you to do, to put your hand to. It's an assignment and we must discover what it is that God is saying. In this season, I'm distracted, I'm worried about many things, but, but what is it that God's calling me to do in this season? The word of the Lord was make this valley full of ditches. Now, if Pastor Oscar or Pastor Wade or anybody in this room walk up to me and they said this, okay, they said, hey, John, make this auditorium full of ditches. <laughs> My very first question would be, well, how many ditches are we talking about? We talking two ditches? Three? My second question is, well, how big are these ditches? There's a, big, there's a big difference between a one-foot deep ditch and a four-feet ditch, right? So I want to know, know how wide. I want to know how long. I want to know how deep. I got to know the dimensions of this thing before I commit to doing this. And I, th I find it fascinating that the, the, the declaration from the Lord was make this valley full of ditches, but didn't give any specifics. He didn't say make 12 ditches 
four feet wide by six feet deep by two inches, two, two feet de- uh, width, right? He wasn't specific. So, so the what was very specific, make this valley full of ditches. The how was left to the free will of the men and women, or men in this specific instance, that were willing to dig, okay? Now in geography, in geometry, there's this formula you learn that volume equals length times width times height, okay? Point number three, if you're taking notes, write this down. Vacancy determines volume. Here's what I mean by that. This, is, this was so clear to me as I read this story. The Lord just spotlighted this over me. The command was clear. The how was up to them. It was up to them. With every single shovel full of dirt thrown over their shoulder, they created more space, more volume, more spot. And by faith, they were saying, they were saying we believe that God's going to fill up whatever we dig up. Whatever I'm willing to dig deep and the depth of it, and I can hear Coach Melton ringing in my ears, dig deeper, dig deeper. Do you trust God to come and fill it up? Then, then trust it and dig deep. Be willing to get the blisters. Be willing to do it with, with, with a dry mouth. So, so I've talked about this before in, in years past and sermons, and, but I want to spotlight it real quick because it hits so good here is that I believe with all my heart that God is, is very attracted to empty things. Very attracted to empty things. Why? Because he's a filler. That's what he does. All through scripture, you see this. All the way back to the very beginning, at creation. It says that the, the earth was void and without form. It was empty. Right after that, it says, and the spirit of the, God, of spirit of the Lord was hovering over the darkness. Why? Because he was attracted to it because he was about to fill it. In fact, one chapter after the story we're reading, 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha does another amazing miracle that many of you will remember. There's a woman who doesn't have enough oil. Remember this story? Let me read it for you. Let me show you just a couple things in this to prove this point in, in chapter 4, verse 3. This is Elisha, and he tells the woman, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors. What kind of vessels? Empty ones. Well, how many should I get? Don't gather just a few. Elisha's like, you can get as many as you want, but my advice to you is don't just get a few. But it was up to her. If she wanted to get two, she'd get two. She wants to get seven, she'd get seven. She wants to get 100, she can get 100. And in verse 6, it says this. It says, now it came to pass when the vessels were what? Full. What were they before? Empty. When they were full that she said to her son, bring me another one. And her son says, that's it, that's it. There's not another vessel. And what happens after that? The oil ceased. The oil ceased when the emptiness ceased. The depth of the ditches that they dug was going to determine the volume of water that they would receive. (laughs) There's a direct correlation to this. There's, there, there's a direct correlation in this moment that we're seeing in real time, a direct correlation between the depth of their dig and the volume of God's delivery. Now, this is not to say a name it, claim it theology. I don't believe in a name it, claim it theology. I, I don't believe that you can just speak it, you know, 
And I, I want to make $400,000 a year, so I'm going to just give $40,000 a year. No, that's manipulation, and God doesn't work with manipulation. It, it is understanding what God's promises are and then stepping into the fullness and believing that God's promises are true. And so what does it mean? It means that when, when, I, when, when, when everything in my marriage is going wrong, I'm going to dig a ditch and step up and serve someone that I don't feel like serving. When, when my spouse is not meeting my needs, my physical needs, my emotional needs, my mental needs, whatever need you think you need, digging a ditch and getting blisters means I'm going to show up every day and serve my spouse. When, you, when you're frustrated with your career, digging a ditch looks like showing up and serving a job that you hate, an industry that you hate, a boss that you hate, right? Digging a ditch means tithing even when there's not, you don't feel like there's enough. It, it's digging a ditch. It's, it's trusting God and believing that he's going to fill it. Uh, because like I said, this is what he does. He fills stuff. John 10, 10 said, Jesus said, I came so that you may have life to the full. Uh, Paul talks about in Romans, he says, I pray that the God of all hope would fill you. Acts chapter 2, they were all in the upper room in one accord and the Holy Spirit filled them. Over and over again in scripture, we see that God is a filler of those who are willing to create emptiness. So we dig deep because we believe God will fill it. It's an act of faith. They dug deep because they trusted and believed that God would fill it. And verse 17 says this. Verse 17 says, for thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink it. One, tra one translation I found says, you won't hear it coming. You won't hear the wind. You won't see the rain, which tells us, and it's telling them, it's going to come from a place that you least expect it. <laughs> it's just when you didn't expect it is when it came. If you'll dig a ditch. It, which is kind of not fair because Elisha's predecessor, Elijah, remember the story where he was with a servant and they're on top of the mountain and he says, do you see a cloud? He's like, no, I don't see anything. Do you see anything? No, I don't see anything. Wait, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Remember this? And then a couple of verses later it says, I hear the abundance of rain. So for Elijah, it's like, yeah, we're going to see it. We're going to hear it. It's coming. Elisha's like, mm-mm, mm-mm. You're not going to see it. You're not going to feel it. You're not going to hear it coming. It's going to come out of nowhere. And this is, this is the part of that faith journey. Do you have the faith to pick up a shovel and dig a ditch with dry lips and blistered hands? Trusting that Lord, the Lord will come and fill something up. And there's many areas of my life where I'm living this in real time, one of them being this church. <laughs> Grapevine Campus is growing rapidly enough to cause a pastor to go into a slight panic. We are right now at the, at the Grapevine campus uh, actively in a process of trying to raise $800,000 for that campus. Simultaneously, my Edmund campus peeps, we've got blueprints ready. They are done, complete. The architectural drawings are there. They're complete for a brand new campus, a brand new building for the Edmund campus. Amen. That's amazing, right? With a price tag of $10.9 million. I'm like, God, I don't know where, mm -mm. I don't see that coming. I don't hear that coming. And what I sense God saying to me over and over again is, John, you got one job. 
Dig a ditch. Dig a ditch. Dig deep. Can you dig a deep, dig a ditch with dry lips and blistered hands? Can you trust me enough to cast vision for something that you don't have the resources to fulfill the vision just yet? You dig a ditch. And I don't know how this is applicable. For every single one of us, you must take this through the filtration system of your life and your struggles and your journey and the things that you're waiting on God for and the challenges that God is taking you through and find a way, find a place and let the Holy Spirit direct you in a process of digging a ditch. Verse 18, this is my favorite part of the story. Verse 18, like almost, almost, like in true gangster style, you know, Elisha is like, hey guys, hey guys, dig a ditch. Oh, and by the way, verse 18, this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. I know this seems really hard to you because you're thirsty, you're weary, you're going into battle. You're like, we don't even have the strength to dig a ditch and we're supposed to go to battle? We're supposed to go to war right after this? Can you imagine? They're thinking, we're supposed to wave a sword and go conquer a nation right after this and we can't even find water? We don't have the strength to stand? And he's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is a simple matter for the Lord. Simple matter. And then he goes on to say, oh, and by the way, he's also going to deliver the Moabites into your hands. So this, 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 this confidence into the people to say, hey, and by the way, your marriage is going to be saved. By the way, your finances are going to be okay. I'm going to be Jehovah Jireh for you, okay? By the way, I've got my hand on your career and your life and your, and your situation, um, but, but I do need you to do one thing. I do need you to dig a ditch. This, this word simple matter in the Greek, if you look up this, I'm sorry, in the Hebrew, if you look up this word in the Hebrew, it's the Hebrew word kalal, kalal and it means to lighten, to show oneself swift. God's like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of this in a jiffy, you know. Don't worry about, God's like, don't worry about my job, worry about yours. So, so what is God saying to you, okay? Not what is John saying to you. What is God saying to you through the scriptures? What is your spirit man telling you right now that what area of your life, and if you'll listen, the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you. And let me tell you something. It won't be something that you're excited about, most likely, so if you showed up your first day on the job, you didn't even know what you're going to do, be doing for a living. And I was like, guess what we're doing today? We're digging a ditch. You'd be like, hmm, pick the wrong career. <laughs> and the, the end of that day, your back is sore. You got blisters on your hands. Why? Because you dug a ditch. So whatever God's about to walk you through, <laughs> no amens there. Cool. I'm cool with that. It's all right. <laughs> but you look past that. Why? Because water's coming. Okay, living water is coming. God is in the living water business. That's what he does. So, so we're, willing, we're willing to dig a ditch. So point number four, my final point is this. Our impossible is God's simple. You're not going to know where it's going to come from tomorrow, but you'll dig a ditch today. Okay, you'll make the sacrifice today knowing that the, the, the truth of the matter is the reason we're all sitting here right now is because somebody dug a ditch before us. My parents are sitting over here because they dug a ditch. I'm on this stage being a pastor, being a Christ follower, passing this on to my kids because they got saved in the Jesus movement, sacrificed everything, became pastors, 
raised us in a trailer home and then went on from there. They, they were good parents. They dug a ditch. They dug a ditch. Oh, and by the way, the only reason you're sitting in the chair that you're sitting in for church and drinking water right now is because somebody dug a ditch for you. Somebody came before us and paid for these chairs and this building and this carpet and this stage and this property. There's always somebody that's willing to dig a ditch, not just for themselves, but so that people can come behind them and drink from it. So the question becomes not just selfishly, I'm going to dig a ditch so God, me, 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 God, 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 me, 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 me. No, God, what, what ditch can I dig for this church so somebody can come behind? You know what? I'm going to pick up a shovel and serve in the kids' ministry is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick up a shovel and, and, work, and, and work as an usher or a greeter or whatever the case may be. You know what? I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to start giving to God's kingdom. Whatever it is, we dig a ditch so that people can come and partake of living water behind us. So I've always got more notes than I've got time. I know the ground is hard, okay? But real faith is to keep digging even when the ground is hard. Real faith is to keep digging even when the marriage is hard. Real faith is to keep digging even when everything around you feels like hard ground. And I, like I feel like I have the spirit of Nemo on me and it's not just keep swimming. It's just keep digging, just keep digging, just keep digging, just keep digging. That God is going to do something. And I'm just here to tell you, and I'm prophesying it over this church, over your marriage, over your family. The flood is coming. Okay? Water is coming. It's coming. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming over every, every aspect of our life. And I want to be pre prepared for it. Verse 20, this story closes by saying this. Verse 20, it says, the next morning about the time for offering, the offering sacrifice. There it was. I love that. That's weird. We didn't hear it coming overnight. We didn't hear lightning. We didn't hear any rain. And I was like, yeah, I told you you wasn't going to hear it coming. You're just going to wake up one day. There it is. There it is. Water flowing from the, now this is important, from the direction of Edom. Remember the map? What is Edom? I've been to Edom. I've been to the Wadi Rum, the desert. It is, it is a dry place. There is nothing there. And the water came from Edom. Why? So that they would know it came from the Lord. There is nothing they did to earn it, deserve it, other than dig a ditch. And you're not going to know where it's going to come from so that you can't be like, yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. It's going to come from the driest place. Streams in the desert, as Scripture calls it. That there can be something that bursts up. The book of Isaiah says it, it springs forth. Do you not conceive it? Do you not see it? So I want to kind of partition into two, two kind of sections here. So I, I just did a teaching on this, and I pray that it was a, a decent teaching for you and that you can absorb it, learn from it, take it and go with it. There's more richness in that text than I could cover in 30 minutes. So take it, dive into it more, learn from it, all of those things. Ask the Holy Spirit what your assignment is. I want to shift gears for just a second in the conclusion here, and I want to do just a quick ministry moment, all right? Because what I don't want to do is kind of give this big, hey, dig deep, dig deep, dig deep, and dig with dry lips and blistered hands, and even though we have to do that, I, I also want to tell you as your pastor, as the shepherd of, of these sheep, if you're thirsty, 
I want you to drink something this morning. Okay? I, want, I don't want you to leave her thirsty. And thirst, thirst can come in a lot of different ways and shapes. It can be a, a feeling of loneliness. It can be a feeling of lo- I feel lost. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're just exhausted, weary, um, depression. Thirst can come in a lot of different ways. But thirst can actually be a great motivator. So if you'll stand to your feet with me here at the Edmond campus, those of you watching online, you can be partakers in this. What I want to do is John's got nothing to offer you, but I do know about a source, a, a living water that, that I want to invite you to just take a drink from, okay? So what I, the only, I did all, all that I knew to do in the spirit. And what I believe I sensed this moment, and so what I believe that I tried to do in the spirit is to pick up a shovel and dig a ditch right up here in this altar and right at the Edmond campus, right, right in the altar area. And I kind of just had this, this vision almost of a, of a shepherd with hundreds or thousands of sheep out there. And the sheep were thirsty. Many of the sheep weren't, weren't getting their thirst quenched. And they had tried to go off and find things to quench their thirst, but they just couldn't find anything to quench it. And so I just, been, I've been praying for a week now to try to dig a ditch so that, so that God's children, that God's sheep can come and just have a drink. So in just a moment, we're going to go in, in, back into worship for just a second. And I just want to invite you. Let me, try, let me tell you something. You're not going to be the only one. And when I say you're thirsty, you know what that means. It doesn't, mean you're, it doesn't necessarily mean you're living a life of sin. It doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It just means you're thirsty. You know why? Because even kings get thirsty. Even pastors get thirsty. But the good news is, is that we have a well that never runs dry. Amen? Amen? So here, here and at the Edmund campus, I'm going to count to three. And when I say three, I just want you to come. And I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. We're going to come down here and just drink. We're going to go back into worship for just a moment. And we're just going to let the Holy Spirit do something that John can't do. All right? So on the count of three, ready? Edmund campus.
then, Lord, the Spirit of God moving on us individually and corporately, Lord. We thank you for what you're about to do in this house. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.